Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone, and thank you as always for tuning in to Radio Harambe, the companion podcast to our website, jomboeveryone.com. I'm Dave McBride, joining you as always from the Radio Harambe studios and coming to you from somewhere in the world. It's Safari Mike. Mike, where are you today? Hey, Dave, I'm in Taman Nagara National Park. That, oh. That <laughs> sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> Ah, that sounds familiar. That sounds very familiar. Why do I know Taman Nagara National Park? I'm seeing like jungles and mountains and that kind of thing. And I don't remember what I was seeing in there because I, I, I saw it on a must have saw it on a on a on a show. Taman Nagara. T-A-M-A-N? T-A-M-A-N, correct. It's a rainforest, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, Taman Nagara. <laughs> See, I, I had seen it, and I don't remember what I was seeing. Because if I can remember what it was that the show was about, although it was probably like Expedition Everest, or Expedition Unknown, or one of those kind of things. Um, I'm going to say Malaysia. No, uh, Indonesia. Dave, yeah. I am in Malaysia. Oh, God! <laughs> you know what's so funny is I, I'm going to take credit for that, but when I said Malaysia, I really was trying to think of the name Indonesia and came up with the <laughs> wrong name. So I really shouldn't take credit for that because I was going to guess the wrong thing. I just saw it, Mike. I think it was one of those Josh Gates shows or something like that. Had went went Could to be. that park, Taman Nagara, because I remember, th- rem- I just remember that name. I but, didn't see him hanging around here. So what, what, sure. what, 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 where are you there studying? Because I that may tell me whether or not that was what the show was about. The leafed horn frog. Dave, no, that was that wasn't it. Not no. What you were studying? <laughs> no. It, the frog is a little guy, and as the as you can guess by the name, he looks exactly like a fallen leaf, kind of brownish, grayish in color. It hunts. By just not moving at all, so it's they're kind of hard to spot here in the rainforest. They blend in so well. They're small, but even though they are small, they'll eat things nearly their size. Even such things as crabs and scorpions, um, they keep as silent as possible and as still as possible. They're very interesting. Mike, is this one of these places where um, tiger encounters tend to happen with uh, people and and things like that? Not and, particularly, no, no, but. Um, I'm thinking they have Asian elephants there, though, because that, oh, yes. because that may be what I remember it about was might have been from one of those save the elephant things that I have on uh, Facebook, on very well Facebook could page. Be. Yeah, very that, well that could be. be what I'm thinking about. Well, that's very cool. I'm so disappointed in myself in saying the right name and getting it wrong, but <laughs> I'll I'll work my way past that. On today's show, we're going to discuss all the news from Disney's Animal Kingdom and the rest of Walt Disney World, and then in our final segment, we are going to take a little tour of Discovery. 
around Discovery Island, but we'll get to that in a second. First, Mike, you brought this to my attention. Um, we have some new food offerings, the Disney Food Blog, which is really the be-all and end-all for those who are obsessed with food at Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have they posted a bunch of new things, correct? Yeah, a few new things. Yeah, absolutely. Like a, a like a bunch is probably just a few, mostly counter service things, if I remember correctly. Mostly kiosk things, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's what do what do you re, what 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 stands out for you? We don't need to go through them all, but well, there was a teriyaki ble- beef 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 cider. Uh, I, I enjoy bleefs. I enjoy bleef ciders. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy bleef cider? <laughs> the humidity here in the rainforest. Is right, I, could, I, I I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of teriyaki beef. So on a slider, yeah. uh, it sounds good to me. That's over in, um, you know, on that path leading between uh, Asia and Africa. I okay. If it's Bradley Falls or uh, Mr. Kamal. So that one's that was the one that stuck out to me. I, I know I saw a few things. There was like, um, uh, like new teas. At, uh, at yes. the tea company, I, I didn't realize, bar, yeah. and I didn't realize they. I think they used the phrase seasonal. I didn't realize that they rotated those teas over there. I, I I had no idea that I'm not really much of a tea drinker anyway, so it's not not yeah uh, me neither. You know, I'm not one to say, but um, yeah, the turkey beef slider definitely definitely stood out. Teriyaki. I'm sorry, teriyaki. Who would have turkey beef? I never even heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. Uh, While we're speaking of food, uh, last week we reported on some allergy-friendly menus, correct? Correct. And uh, basically what we're doing here is providing, or what what Disney's doing at the Animal Kingdom is providing allergy-free items for people of all variety of allergies, right? Peanuts, uh, Yeah, the ones that they have special menus for are gluten, wheat, uh, peanut, nut, Fish, fish, and right? Milk, milk. I believe. Yep, yep, yep. That was the one, and uh, I think they're putting them, putting these things out over, well, almost everything. Correct. I mean, these. I mean, all in the most in most of the restaurants and counter services. Right. Um, but you'll notice, and you'll see a list if you go on our website. I guess it was the news from last week. Yep, Flame Tree Barbecue, uh, Harambe Market, Pizza Fari, Jico, Sanaa, the Mara. Mm-hmm. But not Restaurantosaurus, Tusker House, Yak and Yeti, Boma, or the Rainforest Cafe. So they're only doing kind of like half of the major. Services. Well, and you, you could see from that list. I mean, other than Restaurantosaurus, the the ones that don't have it are either buffets that don't have menus, right, right, or or B uh, restaurants that are operated by an outside company, like Yak and Yeti and um, Rainforest. So the buffets can't help you with allergy stuff if you're there. I'm sure they can, but they don't have a menu for it. I see, I see. Right, they, then, you would probably have to talk to one of the you know servers who would come out and tell you what would be okay to have. That would be my guess. Not having that kind of issue. Yeah, and I don't have it either. So I, I wish I I wish I knew more about the information here. But those specific places, if you're down there rolling out these new menus, Flame Tree Barbecue, Harambe Market, Pizza Fari, Jico, Sana. And the Mara. So let's move on. One, to, yep, one place ahead. to get good information on that, Dave, is uh, our friend Sarah, gluten-free, dairy-free. Yeah. Um, she has a blog uh, of that name. Go on there, ask her a question, email or whatever. She'll give you any information you need on it. She she knows all of that stuff for sure. Yes. Um, this Tuesday, the Disney nature film Monkey Kingdom will be released on DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, when you get yourself a copy... 
Apparently, you will be supporting efforts of Conservation International. It's an organization that, um, I guess, protects the forests that are home to to monkeys, such as those found in this film, um, and uh, other animals as well. Uh, this is what Disney says. The release also includes, uh, just, just for those who are thinking about buying it, the release also includes a behind-the-scenes look at the conservation project itself. The short film, hosted by Dr. M. Sanjayan, I'm sure I messed that up, uh, who is a Disney Nature Ambassador. It will be not. It was also nominated for Best Educational Program at the Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival. So, Monkey Kingdom is coming out this week, and there will be some uh, some donations made to Conservation International. So that's always great news. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about. See how I want to do that. Well, let's save that one for last. So let's uh, discuss a tiger who has been asked about quite a bit. Uh, not long ago, we talked about a male um, Sumatran tiger uh-huh. joining the female who's been on stage. The male's name is Melosi. This is a tiger that comes from a zoo out west, I think out in the Pacific Northwest. I think I'm just going to say Washington State, but I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's what it is. Um, and now Melosi, who has been in the animal kingdom for some time, uh-huh. is now starting to go on the exhibit um, from time to time. For the time being... All of the tigers, and this is what Mike writes, all tigers in collection can be found on exhibit at different times. So we might right. see the two of them together at some point, but right now they're separate, correct? Right now they're separate, yeah, for, for the moment. And they'll sort of slowly begin the process of seeing if they're you know, interested in one another for perhaps getting tiger kittens and oh, how down, the, down the road. But for right now, you may see her, you may see him, you right. may see... So one, uh, the the uh, I guess they have three Asian female tigers who right. are obviously not breeding. We've talked about that in the past. Correct. Um, it really depends on what time of day that uh, you're there. And Mike, we we have talked about it in the past, but it's worth um, it's worth bringing up again. Asian tigers are actually tigers that are bred for captivity, so to speak, or something. Yeah, bas- to that, yeah to basically, that effect. yeah, they're they're a mix. They they, they don't have a clean genetic. Um, descendancy from one of the recognized subspecies, right. whether that be Bengal, uh, Siberian, Sumatran, um, etc. And um, instead, they're mixed. You know, they've been in. You know, you know, a Bengal tiger may have mixed with a Malaysian, blah 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 blah, right. that kind of thing. So um, they're not allowed in AZA accredited zoos to breed them, but you know, they can still display them, but they're not allowed to breed them. And the Sumatran tiger is one of the more endangered species. Yes, it is one of the more endangered just because of rainforest deforestation right. and uh, poaching, po- poaching and whatnot. And it wasn't it wasn't all of that of numerous tiger to begin with. Uh, Bengal tigers, for example, in India, covered a much greater range, um, so that they they're always more numerous, even historically. Um, but these the, these tigers are limited to Sumatra, the island of Sumatra, and. Um, as I'm sure you can guess, I mean, there's a lot of deforestation going there for farmland and coffee plantations and whatnot. So that's that's the situation there. And I just wanted to make sure we mention this here because Melosi obviously made an, had an effect on some of his uh, some of the folks who went to see him out in the zoo he was in previously. I wish I had that information here, but I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in Washington State. Um, 
And because, Mike, ever since it was announced that he was there and the word started to get out, I got a handful, not just one, but a few emails and contacts through the website um, asking me about any information I could provide. From and this was from people who had spent some time at that zoo and who had seen this tiger, mm-hmm. and, and and loved them and wanted to make sure that everything was going good over here. So, <laughs> I yeah, isn't that funny? And that was yeah. months ago. And 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 I, in fact, I just got another one of these con- one of these emails. I would say back in late July or so. Somebody saying uh-huh. to saying to me, you know, have you heard anything? Is he out yet? Is there any information? I keep saying, you know. I got nothing, man. I didn't know. But now, here he is. So maybe if you're traveling to Florida, you may get a chance to see Melosi. Uh, you certainly mm-hmm. can ask. The cast members will know which one is which when you're there. That's for sure. Right. Um, as, I mean, as we all know that there are cast members there. Um, right. Always at the Tiger exhibit, there there is right. somebody. Right. And and they usually they, they know which ones are on. And they may be even to tell you generally t- what time uh, Melosi would come on um, or, or whatnot. Now, Mike, before we close up the local news, you mm-hmm. did a story recently, and there's been some more stories kind of hanging around now, too, about um, you had some pictures, uh, I think sent from a listener, um, mm-hmm. on the Rivers of Light construction. Yes. And we've talked about this before. We've seen a lot of what's going on here, um, but we're starting to get, I think... A little more detail in it, and I just didn't. I, I just wanted to take a second to see if there was anything in there that stood out for you that you wanted to mention, um, because it is sort of making the rounds now. That people are really um, getting a real close look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just quickly, you're starting to see right. You're starting to see some rock work in a few places. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see some. Uh, you know how the seating is going to be which is it's not going to be like benches they're actually going to be like permanent um cement structures uh on the ground that I mean right. by benches they're not going to look like uh <laughs> the bleacher section in Yankee Stadium they're going to they're going to be a little nicer than that um we can't tell yet if there's a sign seating in any of this it doesn't seem to be um, it doesn't look like it. But it doesn't it's, look it's like hard it. Hard to tell. It's hard to tell, and it's early yet. Um, mm-hmm. But we're starting to see now how they're going to hide some of this, some of the some of the visual tools they're using, how they're going to try to blend it in visually, um, and you could see right, Mike, how some of the um, how it differs from area to area as well. Correct. Correct. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I. Uh, that seemed interesting to me that was under this, there's a relatively large building, you know, the stone structure that that's right, right in front of Expedition Everest. I'm not sure what that's going to be. Could be restrooms or, or perhaps a small counter service for popcorn and stuff like that. You know what? My thinking was just from the way it was structured because it actually looked to have a rather large opening facing the water. Yeah, that almost looks to me like some sort of cast member area, like a director, um, somebody who would be who would be. be who would be viewing it. My the interesting thing would be how they're going to hide that because that structure is not gonna, is going to have to not look like that when they're done. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to blend in to Everest. So they're so that's that's the one structure where you're not seeing any detail really yet. You're just seeing concrete right. at this point, you know. And there's also on the other side of that, all the way towards like an Andapur, there's kind of like a winding, it almost looks like a walkway to the water 
which I found interesting. I'm not sure what that's going to be. That appears to me, if you're if you're if we're talking about the same thing, as a a, a ramp for mm-hmm. wheelchairs. That would be my guess. Wheelchair accessibility. Yep. Yeah, that would be my guess. So you know, some of those kinds of developments are coming up. Yeah, and I think like you can see in front of the theater um, for Finding Nemo, you're seeing sort of different motif and. In the area there, the kind of rock work that's being built there is sort of more modern or more, um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of fits that area more. When you get around to the other side, you're starting to see a lot more aged look, and they're obviously, you know, building some structures there mm-hmm. and covering it up with rock. And you're seeing lots of um, what you're also seeing a lot of things that are obviously show related stuff. You're seeing a lot of projectors, and you're seeing a lot of places for projectors, and you're seeing a lot of mounts for things like lights and and all this kind of stuff. And and so a lot of times when people are wondering what this is, that's really the bulk of what's happening in some of those off areas. You have the seating area that's being built, and then you have all the little show elements that are being put in. The problem is they're they're permanent show elements, so it's not Mm -hmm. something they're wielding in and out. They're doing it all the time. So, but it, it it looks like. They're they're coming around to it, so we're we're getting there. Dave, yeah. Just for your information, it's uh-huh. the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. That's where Melosi's from. And where is that? Tacoma, Washington. Ah, see, I had it. I had it's it. A, it's it a good was... zoo, actually. It's a very good zoo. It has a lot of, as you can tell by the name, a lot of uh, aquatic animals, and it's also yeah. uh, relatively famous for its work with red wolves. Yeah, and th- that is exactly the place I was thinking of. I knew it was in Washington State. I thought it, I thought it might have been in Seattle, but I, I'm glad we got that right. And while we're talking about the Rivers of Light, Mike, um, Walt Disney World News Today, WDWNT.com, released a, um, a call for auditions for actors, dancers, and such for something that we can only assume has to do with the Rivers of Light. Um, basically, what they do is entertainment puts out sort of an ad for people to answer, uh, to come and audition for various things. I mean, anything that needs a singer or, or, or actors or any kind of mm-hmm. entertainment offering. Um, they are calling for something for actors and dancers for this week. And here is what it actually says. Disney Creative Entertainment is seeking dancers and physical performers for featured roles in a new offering at the Walt Disney World Resort. Dancers and actors with strong communication skills using movement are needed to tell a story. These silent narrators orchestrate all the action to convey the spirit of an ancient and timeless celebration. We've heard that phrase a few times. <laughs> and just in case you're confused at what this might be, candidates should be trained in any one of a number of classical Indian or Southeast Asian dance styles, and then they name a few, none of which I can actually pronounce. Um, so we're just assuming this is, well, I mean, obviously this is going to be part of the animal kingdom, and it seems to me like this is going to be, if not part of Rivers of Light, although I think it is because it's the spirit of an ancient and timeless celebration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, I wonder if this isn't pointing towards a pre-show or a post-show. I mean, we're really just learning about this, so we know nothing about it other than this. Yeah, but and, and, but Disney when they first announced the Rivers of Light, they talked about um, live music at least involved in the actual right. show itself. Exactly. Maybe this has something to do with that. So maybe it even actually takes place during the show. Um, could, but it could be a pre-show. It could be you know something along those lines, or or it could even be. Although I don't think so. But um, you know, there's going to be other nighttime um, entertainment for. 
you know, people staying. I mean, could, you know, if the park's going to be open till nine o'clock for the Rivers of Light or whatnot, there might be different shows going on. But it, I do think it's probably part of the Rivers of Light event itself, whether it's yeah. in the middle of it or a pre-show. I don't know. Well, in you know, I just went back and looked at the artist concept picture, the the original one that kind of mm-hmm. made all the rounds, and there are people on these barges. So this must right. be what we're doing here. So yeah, it could so, be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. So. Makes more and more sense all the time. So that's it for the local news. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, Mike will have the world news on Radio Harambe. Hello, my friend. How's everything look up ahead? So many people. That's swell. I hope they're ready for a wild adventure. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> We're on our way, my friend. Our journey has begun. If you are looking for the best information, news, and opinions on Disney's Animal Kingdom, the only website to visit is JomboEveryone.com. Besides keeping you up to date on everything going on at the park, you can also find attraction and dining reviews, in-depth information on conservation and wildlife, and even some terrific images of the Animal Kingdom and its cast of furry friends. JomboEveryone.com is the Internet's only site devoted entirely to our favorite theme park, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Visit us today and have a wild time. Come everyone, clap along now. Welcome back to Radio Harambe. It is time for the world news and bringing that to us, man who's dialed in to the Disney world, the, the Disney Twitterverse and fandom, the man who knows it all. What else am I going to do in the rainforest? That's right, Mike. I don't know how you get cell service out there, but whatever. Apple's a beautiful thing. Steve Jobs is a, is a genius. And there is a movie coming out. I just saw this <laughs> yes, seconds ago. <laughs> Well, today, Dave, we're going to go to Disney Springs and Hollywood Boulevard. But first, let's play America's Favorite Game. Already? We're going to come off the bat with it, Dave. All right. You really got me blindsided here. I don't know what the heck this is going to be. Well, I hope you didn't see this because I noticed somebody put it on Twitter. I, Mike. And and tagged you on it, though. (laughs) Now, see what you're doing now. A new fireworks viewing dessert party will soon be on offer at the Magic Kingdom, giving guests a view of the nightly fireworks spectacular from aboard one of the ferry boats, complete with an onboard dessert party. Beginning on October 5, 2015, and taking place only on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, the Fairy Tale, get it instead of Fairy Tale, Fairy Tale, wishes fireworks dessert cruise. Um, the capacity will be of 150 people per cruise. And you, the menu for the dessert items will include the Grand Key Lime Tart, the Polynesian Deconstructed Pineapple Upside-Down Cake, the Contemporary Traditional with a Twist Spice of Flourless Chocolate Cake, Main Street Mickey Balloon Tarts, 
mini fireworks cupcakes with a pop, Cinderella's sugar slipper with orange something or other, Florida mango panna cotta, sparkling wine, coffee, and signature punch. Dave, um, you can you'll check in at the TTC ferry boat. All right. Well, you could get there seventy five minutes prior to the fireworks. The event officially begins sixty minutes. The fer- You mean the big ferry? Yeah. The yeah. Joe. The 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 the, the yes, Joe Potter or whatever it is. The- I guess so. Yeah. One hundred and fifty people can sit on it. Holy schmoly! So. Guess how much that cost, Dave? So let me just get this right. Mm-hmm. You're going on a giant ferry, so there's no. There's no sort of act here. There's no. There's not. There's no person who's, you know, that you're getting up close and personal with. There's just a, nope. okay. You probably cruise. I, I assume maybe cruise around the uh, Seven Seas Lagoon there for a minute or two, and maybe. Although those things can't go. <laughs> it's not like you're going to be going, you know, all the way over to Wilderness Lodge or anything like that. Okay. But you'll be on the water. It starts, it goes about, I guess, 60 minutes before the fireworks. You have these really? desserts that I listed. So. And that's you, it. So it's just desserts. Just desserts and fireworks. There's no, there's no, nothing that you know of that you can go home with. Nope, nothing. No t-shirts or No t-shirts, no nothing. Or... Wow. Um... Monday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Between when and when? October and December? It did, It just says it's starting on October 5th. I don't think Disney has announced when they're going to stop doing it yet. It's just Probably desserts. depends on how well they do. First of all, I just wanted to tell people before I make my guess, stop attending these things. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what Disney's wasting their time on. These dopey dessert parties. I, I don't know why people go on... Um, so it's just dessert. It's on a. It's not not on a really nice boat or anything nope. like that. So, having said that, you don't have to actually buy a p- ticket to do this. You know, you don't have to. Oh, that's true. That's true. Seventy nine dollars. Ninety nine for adults. Sixty nine for kids. Three to nine. That was Mike. That's one of the worst pricing I've heard yet in this game. If you think about it, I mean that is atrociously. If high. they fill these boats. They're pulling in every time they put a, a boat out there. That's going to give them about fifteen thousand dollars. Wow, they are just well a little bit less than that, but but whatever. Although, you know, I mean, depending on how many kids are and stuff. But so they're pulling in about twelve grand every time that boat leaves the dock. That's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Why would you do it? I, don't I know. mean, I can tell you. I would think. That if you're a local and you don't have your ticket and you want to go to Wishes one night, I mean, it's especially a Friday night, um, you know, that this would make sense, but not for $100 a pop. Not when you could see it from the beaches of the, you know, Polynesians. Just think about this for a minute, folks. <laughs> you're a family of four. Are you going to throw down $340 for dessert? So you can watch the fireworks? I mean, I don't see how this possibly can be of any interest to anyone. Yeah. No matter what they call the dopey things, you know, the the Main Street, whatever it was, or the firework thing, I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it just, wow, this is a bad one. 
This is a bad one. They have some decent ones that that oh, they're always overpriced, but no, not always, but a lot of them are overpriced. This one's probably one of the worst ones I've ever heard. Ninety nine dollars for this. How much does it cost for the dessert parties in, in other places? Has it always been that much? No, it's it's a little bit less. I think there were usually I think they're like fifty nine or sixty nine. But they're just taking advantage of people because it's wishes. And you go on a boat. And right? you go on a boat. Right. Oh wow. Okay. What's next? Let's get past this one. I just want to say this to the person who, before we get past it, the person who tweeted this and tagged me, I really do promise that if you have anything important, Mike will tell me that you tweeted it to me. It was Kevin Crossman, actually. Yeah. See, Mike will tell me. He didn't tell me this because he's banking on me not knowing and then throwing this out there as a guess. Kevin, you got to know better than that. I mean, you're trying to ruin the game, brother. Don't, 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 don't tweet this stuff to me. Keep me out of this. What's next? Dave, Morimoto Asia announced that it'll be yeah, opening its doors this. on September 30th. The, uh, it's a collaboration between Iron Chef Morimoto and the Pantina Restaurant Group. It, it will be one of the centerpieces of the new Disney Springs. It is a humongous place. It has a 36-foot-tall, two-story layout that includes lounges and dining spaces and an ex- exhibition kitchen. Um, there is going to be a huge bar. There is going to be a sushi bar and lounge that will have its own second story entrance. Uh, there is going to be custom glass chandeliers that look like ocean, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, all of this with uh, Chef ocean, Morimoto's et cetera, et cetera. take on different Asian flavors uh, like, you know, Peking duck and you know, Kung Pao chicken and right. dim sum and all that kind right, of stuff. Right, right. It's going to be open from 1130 to 2 a.m. every day serving lunch, dinner. And on weekends, they'll have a weekend dim sum brunch. I did see this, and I saw the size of it. Or looks cool, but I mean, yeah, they are really going to have a lot of seats to fill at this place when they're done at at Disney Springs. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tables. They're banking on a lot of people coming over there, and they haven't even finished with all the restaurants. You still have Edison that still has to open. I'm sure there's other be others that are coming down the pike. Well, that's what I mean. When it's all said and done, there's going to be a lot of really oversized places. This one's huge, and it's going to be expensive. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be pricey. Yeah. Well, they're all turning into that, but what's next? Dave, this is a very brief one. Uh, Tom Staggs today, actually, um, when speaking to investors, didn't give much information about Star Wars Land, but he did say that it is going to break ground next year, um, 2016. He didn't say early 2016 or late 2016. He didn't say the projected opening date. We can all, I think, Why guess. Why take him a year and a half to break ground? I don't. Well, I mean, it, it could be, you know, could only be six months or it could be a year and a half. Who the heck knows? But um, it really depends on January or December. I mean, yeah. there's a big difference. Yeah, there um, is. We saw with Avatar Land, when that broke ground in January of 2014, it's taken them about three and a half years to complete that. So you want to assume that Star Wars Land is about the same in terms of its scope. That'll put you in sometime in 2019. Yeah, see now Star Wars Land will open. See now Avatar the reason why it took that so long to break ground was because they cut the deal and then began developing the attractions after they cut the deal. Sure. So, I was only going so there when was, they broke ground. Right. So there's develop no, no, I know that. But people are okay. I know people are gonna say you're criticizing them for breaking ground and took them years to break ground on Avatar. Well that's because they had to go through the development process. You would think that Imagineering would have been deep into developing this land before they announced it because they had this property. They didn't make any have to make any deal to get well, it to start working no, on it. 
Not that, but they've already have concept art and they're telling you what their, the idea yeah. behind the rides are. They didn't give yeah. any specifics on what they are. It just seems weird that it would be a year before they can even put shovels into the ground. I, I, I um, well, again, Dave, January of 2016 is only five months away or four right. months away. Right. Didn't they begin um, the launch pad thing too? The well, that's true. The launch bay. Uh, they've already started launch painting, yep. and that uh, the animation courtyard is almost ready to uh, to become, um, you know, the uh, Launch bay, the animation building. They already op- opened Wado, Grotto, whatever it is, the right. a new store. So they're moving that stuff along, but the actual breaking ground of Star Wars Land has not been um, announced yet. And they haven't even told us where it's actually going to go. It's not going to go in the area behind where this launch bay is. No, the area behind Launch Bay—that's the—that's not really part of the. Part. You mean behind Animation Courtyard? No, I mean, no, it's not. Isn't that? Can't you, go, can't you eventually access the area where they used to have the backstage tour by going that way? I mean, isn't that how we used to go into the backstage tour? Yeah, but you're on the other side of the park from there. Um, yes, but but I think most people believe it's going to be somewhere near Star Tours, and they're going to incorporate Star Tours. Then why is the um, Launch Bay up, uh, on the opposite side of the? park because once the actual land is open they won't need the launch i think bay. launch bay will be gone gotcha yeah. gotcha okay it's almost like cool. a blue si- sky cellar you know what they right. did at uh, california adventure which we talked a little bit about with gotcha. kevin crossman gotcha mike I, I wanted to mention something since you just did since we just did the playing of the game of america's mm-hmm. favorite game and then star wars is I, I believe our last episode of america's favorite game was when yeah. i went off on disney charging 50 dollars for people to have the pleasure of going to buy um <laughs> oh, yes, merchandise at midnight you know where i'm going well apparently <laughs> this is proof again that disney listens to the radio harambe podcast <laughs> because like the day after the podcast came out all of a yes. sudden, they dropped the $50 charge. Mm-hmm. Gave everybody their money back. Gave everybody their money back. I mean, who does this? That was unbelievable. Like, congratulations, mm-hmm. Disney. You should listen to us more often. <laughs> you know, and we'll tell you. You can call me, guys. You know what? Email me. everyone at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you're concerned about how things might go, just let me know. And I'll tell you. Because that was a really stupid idea. And you went back on it. You know, and the, the whole mm-hmm. thing was crazy anyway. I mean, the Force Friday thing was was. I mean, just, there was tons of people there, and it, and and you were a hundred percent right, Mike. I mean, if you went on eBay the next day, there was all right there. Yep. <laughs> you know, and people yep. trying like crazy to sell stuff for three times what they bought it for. <laughs> you know, and thankfully that that went away. And and I said to people from the beginning, you, you know, you don't you don't have to do don't go on eBay. And buy these things that are available. They will be available. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't go out to Force Friday on midnight, and I've got two or three of the most sought after things. What do you have? I went and bought a couple of these Black Series. Do you know what the Black Series is? Yeah, that is. Yeah. It's the probably the most popular of the Disney figures. They're they're. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, of the um, of the Star Wars figures, they're right. about six inches or so tall. They're a little bit more detailed than your average figure, but they kind of maintain that old sort of toy quality to it without being like a, you know, a super detailed, super expensive item. They're mm-hmm. only like twenty bucks. 
Unless you try to get them online for fifty dollars the day after, but like by the time you get it shipped to it, you're gonna long gone to eBay or Walmart and got it. Right, but the mo- you know exactly the most sought after one. Well, the most sought after ones were the Stormtrooper, the new Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. That was the one that people were really that was that, like that Captain Phasma, that uh, grayish one. It was, no, I, well. I could have been. I mean, I, okay, I'm talking yeah. about just the regular white stormtrooper, and oh, then right. the new bad guy, Kylo Ren, is his name. Yeah, yes. um, that was the one that really was going for the first day. You were looking at prices online; it was crazy. I walked in a Target on two days later and bought it. <laughs> I mean, and for cheaper than they were selling it at Disney. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, so I don't know why people think this is going to be a thing. But let me give you a tip. Hold on one second. I got to reach over to my toy bin here. Let me give you folks a tip, or Disney folks. If you're a collector of Star Wars stuff, if you like Star Wars toys, the Disney store actually sells a series of toys that are... And let's say you're an adult, okay? This is not for kids. This is for, like, collecting. They Mm -hmm. sell a series called the Elite Series, which are these sort of die-cast figures. They're metal. They're a little heavier. They come with a base. They're not that expensive. They're like twenty twenty five dollars or something like that. You get them on Disney Store. Um, you get them. At, you get them online. Uh, they only have the Force Awakens stuff out now, but I believe more stuff has been there in the past, and more stuff is coming in the future. They're a really cool little item. You don't have to go crazy to get them because they're only stole, sold at Disney, and Disney seems to have plenty of them in stock. But if you like that kind of just you like to collect that kind of stuff. I would recommend those actually over the Black Series. Now, if you're looking for Black Series stuff for for money's sake, to make money in the future, maybe that is worth more. But the die-cast stuff that Disney's producing, the Elite Series, is just gorgeous. You know, so don't go waiting online at midnight to get this stuff. It's, you're and gossip, your don't go on eBay the, the next day. Oh, my God. You should have seen what these things were going for. I mean, Waiting it, online is not nearly as bad. <laughs> you should have seen it. Yeah, and I got I got a couple of them. Like, I got that. I got the Stormtrooper, and I got the, believe it or not, Chewbacca is one, was one of them mm-hmm. from The Force Awakens. There was only five or six of the of the black series because there's more coming down the line i'm sure well they have a whole you can go online and see the how all these toys that are coming out between now and christmas there's just so many of them and so many that have yet to be released this was only just the first wave of them coming out now you know and 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 the thing that i said to people all the time is don't invest a lot of money in this stuff because what if it sucks Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) what if the movie's not any good i mean who went out and you know just think you could have exactly. You could have spent fifty dollars <laughs> online to buy. You could have just spent fifty dollars this weekend online to buy a twenty dollars toy that'll end up in the same bin that the Jar Jar Binks stuff is in. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Isn't it's impossible to know. So it's so you know it's just crazy. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that they listened and bravo to Disney. Rant for the day. What's next? Dave, quickly, uh, some details on Mickey's not so scary Halloween party are out. As usual, the event begins at 7 p.m. and ends at midnight, although party ticket holders can uh, enter the park with that ticket at 4 o'clock. A couple of new things this year. Uh, there will be the Hocus Pocus Villain Spelltacular shown at Cinderella Castle and will be performed four times a day. Oddly enough, uh, unlike years in the past, the final show is actually at midnight. So therefore, you can actually stay. Uh, you know, oh, that's it cool. It sort of ex- extends the... Uh, the park hour is even another 15, 20 minutes. Um, 
Also of note this year for people who are regular visitors, be advised that the Booty You Parade and Happy Hallowishes are actually a little bit later than they've usually been. The parade times will be 8.35 and 11.15, and the fireworks will be at 10 o'clock. There's going to be special merchandise, special cupcakes. I won't get into all the details here. Thank have you. at it, but that's uh, some you. of the details for Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party. I don't need to hear about any more cupcakes. What else we got? There's like three or four of them. I yeah, yeah, we don't need to discuss the cupcakes. Dave, we, we could have played America's Favorite Game with this, but I decided not to. Breakfast is coming to the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios this fall. Okay, let me guess. Can I can I guess? Is it is it a is it an event? Well, it's a breakfast. We need, I'll give you the details. Of the, yeah, but I mean, is it is price. it is it a? Oh, so it is a single price. Yes. Okay. Good. Let's do it. Beginning on November first, two thousand fifteen, and ending on December. Uh, excuse me, January twenty third. Breakfast will be offered alongside lunch and dinner at the popular sci-fi dine-in theater. The all-inclusive breakfast will include pastries and choice of appetizer. Uh, who gets appetizers for? Breakfast is beyond me. And a non-alcoholic beverage. Here are some of the menu items. Um, puff pastry filled with scrambled eggs, crab, asparagus, and Gruyere cheese. Grilled beef tenderloin on baby spinach mm. with bacon and cheddar custard on a roasted tomato with cheesy horseradish potatoes. Oh, God. For breakfast. How that, how, yeah, I know. This, it just, you know here's, here's a couple Holy. more breakfast items. A macadamia crusted brioche French French toast with mascarpone, and scrambled eggs, crispy bacon, sausage link, and breakfast tomato uh, potatoes. You'll get the full sci-fi dining theater experience with the vintage clips on the big screen. And but there's nothing the special to it. There's nothing. There's nothing no. going on here. No. Oh, so it should just be regular. I mean, what is what do they go for? Like thirty something bucks for the, for. Those? It's less than that. It's really, twenty three twenty three dollars for adults. Twelve ninety nine. Oh, yeah, bre- breakfast is about for character breakfast is probably in the thirties. So a non, yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that enough because they're there. I've had non character buffets, yeah. and that's about what they are. Yeah, but to, but to me, I mean, yeah, uh, all right. So if you're going to get grilled beef tenderloin on baby spinach with bacon and cheddar custard, all right, that, I could see that being worth twenty three dollars. But who the hell eats that for breakfast? <laughs> So I understand. So if you're going to get a breakfast <laughs> item like scrambled eggs and crispy bacon, I'm not spending twenty three bucks on that. No, no, you're right. not certainly not without meeting Mickey Mouse or something. Exactly. No, it, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's I, to me it, the the menu items were either unappetizing or way overpriced. The other weird thing about it is the time frame, November first through the twenty third. Most of that is a pretty lull downtime in, in well, other than the Christmas season. Other yeah. than the Christmas season, so most of it is not really a high time. Who's going to go? I mean, who? Yeah, it might be it. Well, see, they bust this out again usually during the. Um, well, they have the last year or two when with the uh, with Star Wars weekends, and they did character meet and greets with uh, Star Wars characters. Well, that's there. one thing, Mike. I mean, that's they'll a, bust that yeah. out again. I'm sure. But who would go to this? After. Why would you go to this though? I mean, there's no that doesn't. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. Seems weird. I wouldn't. Got anything else? Yeah, Dave. Uh, there was, you know, I was going to talk about the new rope drop procedures at Hollywood Studios, but that just bores me. So let's talk about um, Eater.com. I don't think I told you about this. Uh, It's a popular food blog. Gave a list of the top 11, or it put in order, I should say, each Epcot pavilion uh, at World Showcase in order in, you know, from 1 to 11 in what they felt was the best food 
overall, taking into account okay. counter service, restaurant. I'll give you the list. See what you think about it. Number one was Morocco. Wait a minute. What is this again? Describe it all again from the beginning. Okay, so Eater.com. Eater. Is, is a, yeah, as in like eating food. Okay. Is a, a popular food blog. Right, I got that. Uh, no, I mean, okay. what is the, what is this? They put all of the World Showcase pavilions in order from 1 to 11 and rank them in terms of the best food. And number and one that, is Morocco? And number one is Morocco. Okay, so this is obviously a silly thing, but okay, continue. I, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with number, Morocco being number one. Oh, I don't know why. Please, it's ridiculous. Go ahead. What's next? France is number two. Uh-huh. Italy is three. Okay. Japan four. Canada was five, which I thought was they don't even have a counter service. That's just misplaced. United Kingdom was six. Mexico, which I think should be well higher on this list. Germany, which I also think should be a little bit higher on this list. China. Norway was number 10. Norway, to me, is one of the top five when you take into account the bakery. And uh, the last but not least, of course, I think everybody would agree the United States Pavilion was, uh, you know, the American Adventure was last. It's pathetic when it comes to food. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. I would put Morocco number one. No, I wouldn't put Morocco anywhere. It has one of the one, best, but... one of the best sit-down restaurants in World Showcase. It has, it has probably one of my top two counter services in all of Disney World. It has a good, um, sit-down restaurant. It has one that mm-hmm. nobody will even go to that they oh, can't give away. That's for a table. That's true. Um, and then their kiosk stuff is. Bleh. At the at best, oh, I mean, oh no, I like I like the Tangerine Cafe. I think it's very good. I think if you're looking for, um, I mean, you you, you got to talk about what, what you got to decide what it is that the criteria is. Are they? You know, you said okay. Well, we don't like Canada because it doesn't have a counter service. So, are we talking about? You know the quality of what food you can get, or are we talk? Are we putting quantity in there as well? I mean, is that part of it also? So that that's a question that I would have. But um, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, clearly Canada has one of the better sit down restaurants. Um, so I don't does, think it's it, I don't think it's poorly overpriced. ranked. It, it, yeah, it's overpriced now. But I mean, mm-hmm. we got to stop complaining about overpriced at Disney. I mean, that's what I do every show. But, yes, um, but Le Cellier is a little bit I – mean, yeah. that takes a little bit farther than most other places. I would I mean, agree. Now it does. Granted, right. every restaurant is overpriced really when you get down to it in Disney World. But Le Cellier takes yeah. it to a new level. I agree with you. I agree with you. It does do that. Um, th- yeah, the one that stands out for me was Mexico. Because, yeah, I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah, because they, they, there's good stuff there and, and, and throughout – you know, across the board. I'm not a huge fan of the German restaurant. I like the I like the counter service offerings they have there. I like the beer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, they you know and they have a good sort of counter service thing right around there. I forget what it is, but it's some sort of like potato noodle or gratin type of thing, which is which was excellent that I had last time I was there. Um, but the restaurant itself, the food. A couple times I've had it. I thought the food at the restaurant was meh. okay. You know, it, uh, I would put it ahead of. There's a restaurant. Of there, there's a German place here that makes much better German food, right? Right, mm. far, not far from us. Um, it's just it was. It's okay. It's good. Um, the thing about the Italian place, though, Mike, is 
We all, you and I are, are, are you know, we can go anywhere, you yeah. know, a block away and get Italian just as good, if not better than that. But not in Florida. In Florida, that's one of the better Italian places around, both of them. True, um, true. Well, and Tutto Gusto I like, actually. Yeah, and th- that's what I was just going to say. Now they add Tutto Gusto. I mean, that's now a strong food place. I'd put that top five, too. I'm not a big I'm not a big chefs to France fan, but I will tell you. I mean, when you take again taking the whole thing into account, the ice cream place is fantastic, Excellent. and the the pastry the the bakery is fantastic. So it's good. I, I wouldn't mean, say fantastic. It's a good. The ice cream place is really good. The pastry place is good. I've never okay, been. Well, I've never been to the upstairs. The to the to the. Is that still there? Even the yeah, the, it is. It, yeah. They changed the name of it. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But never no been in there, in and Le Chefs has clearly. I mean. Like and I've said this a million times, but like all restaurants in World Showcase, it has suffered horribly from the um, from 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 the meal plans, which has taken away menu items across the board, and mm-hmm. and that's and Le Chef's is one of those. I mean, it used to be very very good, and it has gotten you know increasingly less so as they leave only the bland stuff on the menu. Yeah. You know, and that's the deal. But that's an interesting, uh, interesting take there on some yeah. of those. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you know, Mary. You know, you may feel that Morocco is the I best place, Morocco. but it's also the only place where you can get a reservation anytime you want. So it's not like oh, you don't even need a reservation; just walk in. Yeah, it's not like a lot of people share that opinion with you. Mike. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, people are afraid of it. I think people are afraid of it. Oh, that's true. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're wrong. I mean, it, you know, I can even tell you our. But our parents, when uh, when we were there, oh yeah, last what time with them? Oh, my wife would, would never go in there. Would never dream of going oh. in there. And I, I brought them in there, and they loved it. My wife would never go in there. I'd have to. I'd have to. I'd have to trick her. I'd have to tell her they have burgers in order to get. <laughs> Let's her in do there. that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's no problem. Is that it, Dave? I want to play a bonus game. Oh, America's right. favorite game. All right, all right. But we're gonna go to Disneyland. Oh God. I don't know if you've heard of this one yet, but this is a doozy. Of course Ready? not. Yeah. Taking place on select dates from Decep- September 21st through December 2nd, guests can enjoy breakfast on the Jungle Cruise attraction in Disneyland. Really? You can actually eat on the American, uh, excuse me, American, the African Velt uh, display. You know where they have all the wildebeest and the tiger or the lion eating a really? an antelope? Mm-hmm. Breakfast items will include, and part of the reason I brought this up is, I mean, if this is a hit, you may see this at the Jungle Cruise in, in Disney World. Wait, but when does it run? September 21st through December 2nd, ah. prior prior to um, prior to when I'm going to be there. Okay, you go, when are you going out there? Uh, we're we're we haven't planning. We okay. ha- where it is definitely going to be somewhere between Christmas and the end of January. We just gotcha. haven't we just haven't figured gotcha. it out yet. But. Dave, breakfast items will include um, jungle diet of rare of the, of the rare brunching tiger, which includes pastries, <laughs> scones, eggs, fruit parfaits, sausage, roasted gold potatoes, and onion hash, glazed pork belly, bacon, an assortment of juices, coffee, and specialty teas. Upon completion of your meal, you'll have the chance to get a private ride on a jungle cruise. With a Jungle Cruise skipper prior to park opening, and you will get to hone your skipper skills. Most people have meant to believe this means that you will actually get to drive the boat for a brief amount of time. Well, newsflash, folks, you don't actually drive the boat. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. I know. Um, you will get a. Tr- I'm not done yet. All right. 
you will get a tribal mask keepsake Ooh. to remember their time in the jungle. And um, you know, again, um, it starts before the park opens. So all this will be done before the park opens. And uh, guests who have not purchased park admission will be escorted out of the park after the event. Uh, oh, actually, I nice. take that back. I take nice. that back. Let, let me let me rephrase that. Get all guests will be escorted out of the park after the event, and you'll be allowed to enter a park opening just like everybody else. If I you have see. tickets. Okay, Dave. Guess how much that costs. That's going to be a lot. <laughs> That's going to be a lot. That's going to be like an insulting number. Um, so you get to actually go onto the set. Yes. Which means breakfast. you probably go someplace, quote unquote, backstage. So there's a premium in that. The breakfast is nothing. There was nothing really in that breakfast. That no, no, it's very tame. Yeah, it's very. It's yeah, no pun exactly. So that's worth maybe thirty bucks. Um, you're going to get some sort of cheap gift, but it might not be cheap. So let's put another thirty bucks in there. So that's. So we have about sixty dollars worth of actual stuff. <laughs> you're yeah. getting. It's before the park opens, so they have to bring in a whole set of cast members just for that now. So mm-hmm. that's 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 got to be brought in a premium. Including skippers and boats and, and all that. And it's one of, I mean, the only thing that would make it more expensive, expensive is if you were having it with the uh, the redhead at, at uh, Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, of the Caribbean yeah. or, the, or the Hatbox Ghost or something like that. You're going to give them some ideas there, Dave. I know, but uh, this would this would be just under those two, right? If you were going to do something like this on set, this would be the the, Probably. the, the third one. Probably. Mike, I'm going to go high. I'm going to say something like two hundred bucks. I mean, two. I I think it's going to be an, have to be an exclusive thing. So I I would say one ninety nine. How much is the Wild Africa Trek? One eighty nine. One yeah, one seventy nine, one ninety nine. But that's a yeah. trek. I mean, that I'm I'm. This four is, hours of your day. This is yes. I, I don't want to compare the two because the Jungle Cruise in Disneyland is much more popular with the Disney fanatic. So they're going to get more money for for a less of an of a of a thing. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm thinking there. Okay. So your guess is one ninety nine. I'll say one ninety nine. I think I might be a bit high, but I'll say one ninety nine. Three hundred dollars even for every guest. That Didn't even bother with the two ninety nine. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, they'll get it, Mike, because there's probably only a few. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's probably only a few. Well, forget it. Then even if it was happening when I was there, there's no way I'm going. So, <laughs> give you, uh, it would cost you six hundred bucks for the two of you. Crazy, crazy. All right, is that it? That's it, dude. All right, let's uh, take another break. And when we come back, we're going to go on a tour of Discovery Island. I'm exploring Mickey, and like most kids, I love zebras. And some of the coolest are the Grevy Zebra. But if things don't change soon, there won't be any left in the wild. The Grevy Zebra Trust is doing everything they can to help keep them from extinction. But there are only a couple of thousand left, so we have to work fast. Go to their website, gravyzebratrust.org, and donate anything you can. Even a small donation will help keep the Gravy Zebra alive for us kids and the future generations to enjoy.
oasis and approach the end of its tree covered in peaceful trails. You approach an opening and soon your eyes are fixated on the wonder that is the tree of life, which I would argue is the greatest Disney park icon ever built, but neither here nor there. (laughs) But as you walk the bridge with your eyes glued to the tree, may not know that you have just crossed into a land. I put that in quotes, in Disney quotes. Welcome to Discovery Island, folks, the hub of Disney's Animal Kingdom, the center of the wheel-and-spoke design of the park. Uh, But Discovery Island is much more than just a design element. It also has a unique story to tell. So what is the story of Discovery Island? Eh, Pretty simple, really. Uh, How do I... Well, we're going to let Mike do most of it, but... Imagine what you would be like if you lived in a little island with a tree like that on it. I would imagine that tree would be a large part of your existence and a large part of the things you you love in life. But uh, without further ado, Mike, shall we begin our safari of discovery on Discovery Island? All right, Dave, I'm going to give you a somewhat detailed backstory of Discovery Island on Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I think it's one of the ones that I'd venture to guess less than 1% of the people who walk... Well, I'm I'm almost positive that less than 1% of the people who walk through the gates uh, understand what this backstory is. And I would venture to guess (laughs) less than 1% of the people who do Disney podcasts know what the backstory is of Discovery Island. So... Without further ado, let me tell you the backstory. Oh, I know it. Sorry. Discovery Island is an ancient place, Dave. Long ago, a tribe from a faraway land was traveling the globe. As nomads, they wandered from place to place until one day they came across this island with this very curious tree. Here they found the Tree of Life and decided that they needed to live beneath the, this wonder of the world. And you now, as a tourist to this island... Well, you could certainly see why they're so fascinated by this tree. Discovery Island, of course, was not always populated by people or even tourists, for that matter. The Tree of Life stood on this empty and distant island for many, many years. Until, as I said, the ancient tribe of nomads happened upon it. This tribe immediately came awestruck by the great tree with its animal faces embedded on the bark. And they knew that they shouldn't leave the tr- as the tree was actually magical. The magic of the tree was displayed in the bark itself, as there were animals from all over the world could be seen on the Tree of Life. This held the people where they were, and they started to build the village around it. So after generations of traveling, they abandoned their nomadic lifestyle and took root on the island. Pun, of course, Dave, of course, is intended. The village, which, of course, for all those who know, originally (laughs) was originally called Safari Village when the park first opened. Uh, the, but the backstory has it that it developed over time and has until recently, um, and we'll talk about that momentarily, well, it took a very whimsical kind of tone. But despite that whimsy, each of the buildings has a very specific group of animals for a very specific reason. The island mercantile is themed as a warehouse carrying items from around the world. And that's the shop that you first get to on the right-hand side when you walk in. Right. All the creatures from this shop because it is a, supposed to be a warehouse carrying items from around the world, are animals that work. So you'll see things um, in, in the design, such as elephants, beavers, camels, bees, even inside the shop, um, where they would sell sweets, sweet, you know, candies and things like that. There would be bees. Uh, the section where that shows beavers had the fixtures that appeared to be lawed, you know, gnawed on logs. Some of the other buildings, Creature Comforts, which of course is now Starbucks, 
originally sold clothing. So the shop had a motif of animals that have unique design patterns like zebras, giraffes, and ladybugs. Disney Outfitters, which is also getting expanded like Island Mercantile, used to sell items from all around the world. That was a theme. And so the, the design featured animals from the four corners of the globe. Pizzafari, um, outside, very whimsical look, and it has five rooms, each with a different theme. Each, uh, each room had as a theme word, such as nocturnal animals, animals that live upside down, like a possum, camouflage, animals that carry their homes on their backs, like turtles and whatnot. The Flame Tree Barbecue, which we've had a previous show about, so I won't go into real depth here, has, of course has a theme of predator and prey. Each pavilion has a different set of animals. And the chairs where you, the predator, sit has predator designs, while the table where you place your food has prey designs, so you're sort of part of the circle of life. The architecture and style of the land, as we have said, is very colorful. Yet you will see there are some ancient stone statues scattered throughout. Dave, I'm sure you have seen uh, the statues that uh, I'm talking about. Some of about. them are amazing. I mean, just amazing. They are kind of curious uh, that there are a few of these that pop up around the different paths of Discovery Island. and they, they sort of seem out of place compared to the very colorful aspects of the, uh, the island itself. The architecture is so bright and vibrant, yet here are these prehistoric-looking statues. So what are they? Well, like everything else at the Animal Kingdom, there's a backstory to those stone critters. When the nomads first began living their lives on the island, this is many, many, supposed to be many thousands or hundreds at least years ago, they created these stone statues that celebrated some of the animals that they found in the roots of the bark of the tree. So in tribute to their home and to this amazing tree of life, they created these works. Um, and from there, they built a community that also was harmonious with nature. And that's why you see things like cotton-top tamarins living along the island or small clawed otters. There's also plenty of vegetation, plenty of water features. But now today, the relatives of that ancient tribe still occupy the island and are inspired by it. And so their art is much more advanced now and much more whimsical, as we've said, and, and much, much, much more colorful but the old stone statues are still there, and their their predecessors, who were enthralled by the tree, created these animals. And you know, they, the people who live there now have used them and kept them there on the island itself. Even exit signs from the uh, island itself uh, reflect some of this backstory. They are designed to point to the other lands of the hub, like Dino Land USA, like Harambe, and they reflect. Although they do reflect the folk kind of artist style that you see on the island itself, they also kind of subtly reflect some of the styles of the land you're going to. So you'll have silly dinosaurs that are sort of heading towards Diggs County. The giraffe that is pointing towards Africa is a little bit more of an African style to it than some of the other things on the island. Uh, Lord only knows what the Avatar Land sign is going (laughs) to look like. I have no idea. But anyway, Disney Imagineers, of course, have used this backstory and decided to incorporate numerous different types of architecture. These people in the backstory had traveled all over the world until they finally found this tree of life. So the Imagineers decided to sort of blend different art styles from various island cultures. And that's why you see a lot of bright colors as the backdrop. There's a strong influence of Bali uh, on the island. But they also use Caribbean styles, Polynesian styles, as well as even some non 
cultures like Mexico, Spain, and and uh, Iran. I was at Ireland, but I'm in Iran. Yeah, they're, um, they're, 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 and you know, you you see that. Um, you know what, Mike? You you see that quite a bit. The that that um, Disney talking about and, the, and design elements and a lot of different places about an Iranian um, mm-hmm. influence there. And and I'm not sure I see that. I don't know what if there are specific buildings where they're talking about. Um, I'm having a hard time finding that one, but I do. But I do hear that that phrase all the time. I do hear that used quite a bit. So it is definitely something that they that they base things on. But it's hard to figure out exactly what, other than you know, there might be some Persian qualities to some of those statues. Mm-hmm. But but that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Dave, th- there is you can see a lot of Mexico and especially in Pizza Far, They even have some of those. Um, types of statues that you see even in the mexico pavilion at epcot uh, they use them i can't recall the name of them off the top of my head um throughout pizza safari but there's a clear caribbean influence to oh yeah. to much of discovery island not to mention bali so dave that is essentially the backstory of discovery island yeah i mean you, you know it is a really kind of cute story about you know living on the island in the shadow of this amazing tree and what you know and and what it means to the people who live there and and I love that whole concept I love that idea um, I my fear is and we've discussed this many times before my fear is that we're going to get away from that now because we're changing the color scheme you know I've accused them of changing the color scheme to match with Starbucks but I'll accept, I'll accept that it might be somebody else's bright idea um but it's obviously not going to change the backstory i wouldn't think i guess just these islanders have decided they don't like bright colors as much as they used to <laughs> well i mean dave we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum in the past with starbucks um people seem to like the look of creature comforts but it is definitely a change in mm-hmm. the look of the island where um you know, Disney Outfitters and Island Mercantile were very colorful and bright and a lot of, bl- like, bright blues and yellows right. and oranges. Um, the Starbucks is very earth tones. And I think we touched upon this on a, an episode before about Flame Tree Barbecue. Um, recently, they have unveiled the new sign at Flame Tree Barbecue, and it is much like Starbucks. It's very earth tone looking. Right. Um, it's an eagle and the, the wings are spread out, but the, the flame tree itself is in this deep clay red. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sign out in front of it now that is all wooden as opposed to, um, right. you know, primary colors. It's, you know, it looks more a like a trails end sign than a, uh, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. exactly, that's a, that's a good way of, uh, describing it. It's exactly what it looks like. It looks like it belongs at Fort Wilderness or Frontierland, right. not exactly, um, you know, Discovery Island. So we are going away from that a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, it does seem to be to be a shame. Um, it's you know, it's one of those things where this is a lot of times you see stories, uh, backstories, and stuff sort of informing design. Um, and and this is one of those places where you they really needed a back. I mean, listen, Africa provides its own backstory, right? In Asia, you're you're finding a back. You're just tweaking the backstory of something that already exists. Mm-hmm. But here, they needed to create an imaginary mm-hmm. place, you know. And this is this is the fantasy land of you know of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is the area from scratch. Well, this in Dino Land. But you know, but even Dinoland kind of rested upon things that already existed. 
Sure. You know, but this didn't. And the, the, and the, the backstory of this, you could just see, you know, in order to even think about the very first thing you're going to design outside of the tree of life in this area, you needed this backstory because you can't, you know, how are you going to put all this together? You know, how are you going to make this all work in a design in a designed uh, state, you know, without having something to base it on? You'd just be throwing up buildings. Right. And and the way they expanded off that story into all these different details. This is why I there are Disney fans out there who who in one breath will tell me how much they love all the detail and story put into Disney's into Disney stuff. And then they'll tell you they don't like the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, the animal kingdom is the place where that concept is done to the most (laughs) expansive degree. I mean, it's done more here than anywhere. And this discovery Island is probably where it has gone insane. I mean, they have details and story elements in each one of these buildings that you would never know unless Mike was there to tell you. Well, that's part of the thing. I mean, I've had arguments – well, not arguments. It's probably a strong word – with uh, Disney fans you know, who you know, love the parks, and, and they'll say to me, well, I mean, okay, that's great that Discovery Island has a, a theme, but who the hell knows it? I mean, like we talked about at the very beginning of this, less than 1% of probably – People who write Disney blogs know the backstory right. of Discovery Island. But the point is really um, not so much that people know it, but it's it's the Imagineers know it. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's, it keeps everything together. It, it's that sort of the backbone of why certain things look a certain way. And it keeps, even if the guest doesn't know exactly what the backstory is, there's a sense of cohesion exactly. because the the Imagineers have a backstory and they build it based upon okay this this is what Discovery Island is supposed to be so what are we, what's this building going to be well this building is going to be our store okay so what so let's make it in an island mercantile and we'll use animals that work that will be the and bam 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 and that's how it and that's how the park grows uh, so even though the guests don't know it. They do wind up actually appreciating it, right? It's it's the difference between um, putting up a roller coaster, painting it green, and calling it the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> right? That's a shot across the bow. Okay, well, whatever, you know. But you know what I mean. It's a difference Ooh. between doing that and making a new place, uh, a, a sense mm-hmm. of 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 place, and a, and a sense of belonging and 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 lived in area that sort of discovery feel to use that word um you know and you need that in order to make that happen and we talked before sure africa has its own story but you in order to make an africa that you can feel a part of it needs to have something it, it to make it different from a world showcase pavilion, right? So right. that's just the country comes in and is replicating as best they can some sort of architectural element or something that makes it as like look like a postcard for uh, marketing purposes. I mean, that's really what that is, right? So the reason why Mike and I always say that Harambe is the greatest uh, Epcot pavilion ever built is because there it has that extra step of telling a unique story. Um, and, can, right. and they can't create all of these rides and all of these things into these 
you know, with such magnificence without that backstory. So right. if you don't know what the backstory is, and the, you know, the criticism always comes to Dino Land, right? Everybody always yells at us because we we love the whole idea of the way the Dino Land backstory is, but everybody's like, well, that doesn't make it any better. It's still as it's still as stupid rides. It that may be the case. <laughs> you may not like it, but you know. It can't be built without that story, and that story informs everything that happens from this point mm-hmm. forward, you know, and everything you add to it. And that's why everybody's so afraid about changes to these stories and changes to, you know, I get criticized as you know for the paint colors being different, but that makes a difference, you know. The how is that going to fit into the story? Because if not, it's going to be out of place. And once it's out of place, it's the Hollywood studios, right? Once. <laughs> Right. Once you start taking it out of the story, it becomes a mishmash. And the studios Mm -hmm. is exactly what happens when the story isn't adhered to. It's my problem with the frozen in Norway. Exactly, Mike. I mean, you, you. So these stories, whether you know them or not, are incredibly important to the design and the future and the quality of what comes in the future. That's why Primeval World is a better themed coaster than the Hulk coaster. There's a shot across the bow. Well, I've never been on the Hulk coaster. It's just the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's it. The other thing, Dave, I would point out is that we are in the process of um, expanding out and, and working on both Island Mercantile and Disney Outfitters. So I have a real concern that once that's done, those two buildings may go along the way of the Flame Tree Barbecue and Creature Comforts. In terms yeah. of becoming a, a, a different look to it. Well, they're going to have to do that. I mean, they can't, you know, they're obviously um, going to a new aesthetic for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing it now because I like the old one better. But, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I know that you have to wait and see what it, what, what it turns out to at the end. I mean, you you know, you got to let the rest of these buildings come in. Perhaps they'll be a, you know, slightly different, a different take on it. They haven't messed around with any of the design details, like Mike Mike was talking about the prey and the and the predator and that kind of thing. That hasn't been changed. So let's see where it goes when it's ending. I'm not a big fan of the colors because I think the colors are a little less Caribbean, a little less sort of yeah. They're they're less island, uh, you know, in the sun type of thing and I always like that about Discovery Island because there's enough darkness and enough earth tones in Asia and in Africa that I want yeah, I mean right right exactly. that I mean, that's the coloring they have you know that I wanted this to be continue to be that bright sort of happy place mm-hmm. um, I agree but let's see how it finishes let's let's see where it goes when it finishes makes sense makes sense all right anything else on the Discovery Island before we wrap yeah. things up no I think that's good all right. Well, thank you once again for tuning in to Radio Harambe. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Don't forget to check out our website. We don't plug that enough. JomboEveryone.com. From there, you got a whole bunch of places you can go. We have a Disney photo safari. Mike's got a safari. Mike blog. If you want to interest, you know, if you're interested in more stuff about the animals, you find some great stuff over there. Um, we have our store where we're selling some great stuff. We've got a lot of stuff in the hopper there too. So. Go to JohnBoyEveryone.com, bookmark that, check with us every couple of days. We're usually putting stuff on there at least three or four times a week as best we can. Um, you'll also find, like I said, our store, and you'll also find our conservation partners. These are our conservation organizations that we're looking to help 
as best we can. We're donating any bit of money we make from anything that we do, whether it be, um, you know, the store or, uh, you know, the, the, the off T-shirt sales that we have or any of the other stuff you'll find on there. Any of the, any of the money you make off the Google ads, it all goes straight to those guys. Um, and you can learn a lot about them and the great work they do. Also, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Radio Harambe. Mike's at Jumbo Everyone. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Find it at JumboEveryone.com. So, for Safari Mike, I am Dave McBride, Quaharini. Go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. Now, who, 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 who